um, what it means is that the central banks will continue to be on the back foot and their currencies will continue to be under pressure. But as I said, this could reverse if we do see a Fed pivot. And of course, it's, it's not really the best use of central banks' reserves either, is it? Not at all. I mean, one of the things that we've seen in, in across Asia is that reserves war chest uh, had built up substantially uh, pre-COVID. And so there had been a healthy level of reserves. But again, it isn't a good policy to pursue. Uh, you know, the, the, having healthy amounts of reserves uh, obviously helps your external adequacy ratios. It protects your markets and currencies. And running these down in the pace that we've just seen in the last 12 months or so uh, is clearly dangerous to continue to do. OK, Mitchell, thank you very much. Have a great weekend. That's Mitchell Katecha, Head of Emerging Market Strategy at TD Securities. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the markets, the ASX 200 in Australia off 0.6%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 down about one and a quarter percent uh, the Cosby in South Korea also sliding down about uh, a quarter of a percent. And it looks like the Hang Seng now is going to open about 60 points lower in an hour's time. Thank you very much for listening. Have a great weekend. Please join me again on Monday morning. Back chats coming up after the news with Janice Wong and Brian Wong. Uh, the weather forecast, fine and dry. Uh, maximum temperature is going to be about 29 degrees. It's going to be fine and dry in the next couple of days as well. 24 degrees right now, 71% relative humidity. Times 8.31, here's Tom Warden with the Half Hour News. Lan Kuifang Group Chairman Alan Zeman has welcomed the easing of COVID measures on bars and restaurants as a breath of fresh air after three difficult years. From Thursday, restaurants can continue to offer dine-in services beyond midnight and bars no need to close at 2 a.m. Mr. Zeman said it meant that nightclubs could operate for longer than three hours a night. But he said real change would come with the dropping of all restrictions. I think that's the one missing link at the moment. I think once we adjust the zero plus three, zero plus three has been a huge game changer, of course. But I think once we get to zero plus zero, it'll make a big difference because tourists are not coming back at the moment because they don't want to be tested. Some are only here for two or three days. They want to be able to go to establishments, to restaurants and bars and clubs. Vladimir Putin has accused the Western world of trying to impose its politics, culture and way of life around the globe. In a major speech, the Russian president said that Western efforts to dominate had caused the war in Ukraine and added that the U.S. and its allies would ultimately have to talk to Moscow. You know, I've always believed in the power of common sense. So I'm convinced that the new centers of the multipolar world order and the West will eventually have to start a conversation on equal terms about our common future. The cost of borrowing in countries using the euro will rise again after the European Central Bank decided to increase interest rates by three-quarters of a percentage point. The bank is signaling its determination to tackle inflation. Prices in eurozone countries are five times the target of 2%. The ECB's president, Christine Lagarde, warned a recession was looming in the eurozone. One person has been stabbed to death and five others have been hurt in the Italian city of Milan. The BBC's Mark Lowen reports. 
Local reports say that a 46-year-old man grabbed a knife from a supermarket in a Milan shopping centre before he went on his stabbing spree. A supermarket employee died in the attack. Among those injured was Pablo Mari, a defender with Arsenal on loan to the Italian club Monza. He is said to have suffered a stab wound to the back but does not have life-threatening injuries and is recovering in hospital. The assailant, who is believed to have psychiatric problems, has been arrested. Police have ruled out any terrorist motive. The elected assembly, which runs Northern Ireland, looks set to collapse after the Democratic Unionist Party said it would continue to boycott procedures. The party objects to a post-Brexit trade deal with the European Union, which means some goods have to be checked when they go to and from the British mainland. A last-ditch effort to restart the assembly appears to have failed. Peru, which had one of the highest death rates from COVID in the world, has announced the lifting of all pandemic restrictions from today. The government of President Pedro Castillo said the state of emergency would end, but recommended the continued use of masks in public places. And that's the news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and our guest presenter is Brian Wong. Good morning, Good. Brian. Morning. On today's program, we're looking at the state of Hong Kong's travel industry. One of Hong Kong's oldest travel agencies, Hong Tai Travel, announced the temporary closure of all branch services until further notice to cut costs during what it described as a dark tunnel with no end in sight. This prompted tourism sector lawmaker Perry Yu to urge the government to relax infection control measures for tour groups so they can visit restaurants, theme parks, museums and other places once they arrive. He said the current Amber Health Code, which bans inbound travellers from visiting premises that actively check the vaccine pass for three days upon their arrival, is hindering the recovery of the sector. The temporary closure of all Hong Tai branch services comes as Hong Kong International Air Airport's September passenger traffic volume increased by 133% from a year earlier, after authorities scrapped some of the city's travel restrictions, including requirements for hotel quarantine and a pre-boarding COVID test. So what do you think are the prospects for Hong Kong's ailing tourism industry? What more should be done? After 9.15, we'll look at the use of microbots to help tackle ear infection in children. Let us know what you think. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call at 233-88266. Now to uh, kick off our discussion this morning, we're joined in our Kowloon Tong studio by Paul Leung, Chairman of the Hong Kong Inbound Travel Association, and Freddie Yip, President of the Hong Kong Travel Agent Owners Association. Good morning, Mr. Leung. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Yip. Uh, uh, thanks for uh, joining us on the program. Um, so, first of all, Mr. Leung, uh, were you surprised when you heard about Hong Tai Travel's decision to uh, temporarily suspend all its branch services uh, to cut costs? Uh, uh, for me, I... As an industry uh, a producer, I don't think it is a surprise. You know, uh, they should have do it long time ago. Yeah, because uh, you cannot survive with no business for three days, especially also for three years. You know, especially though, uh, this agent, you know, they have so many staff. I understood they have more than six or seven hundred staff. 
you know, how can you survive? And how can you, you know, uh, only salary, you know, every month, how much you, you, you have to pay on with no, no income at all, you know, uh, for the last three years, uh, practically no income. So rental, salary, plus miscellaneous, all these charges, how, how, you, how can you survive? You know, it's very good already. They can survive for three years. <laughs> Right. And Mr. Yip, I mean, travel restrictions have been relaxed recently and uh, Hong Kong residents have been traveling more. Um, shouldn't travel agencies be uh, doing better now or are travelers uh, not using uh, travel agents anymore, Mr. Yip? Uh, good morning, everybody. Morning. Uh, Hong Thai travel is well known by the Hong Kong people and this company has a long history and uh, it's... Um, CEO or managing director uh, right now uh, assigned from Beijing the holding company uh, which is a listed company in uh, mainland China and he came to Hong Kong in the past few years and uh, he's not so lucky that he come across with this uh, pandemic happen uh, from my understanding as what Mr. Leung just saying that the staff Total staff uh, number they we deal with uh, from 1,000 uh, people uh, up to now they still maintain around 200 to 300 uh, staff. Uh, although they are not a full time job, but still they are keeping them uh, come to the office to work or they go to the shop or on duty. Um, on those uh, the top they they have more than 30 branches. Uh, uh, shops to, uh, so serving the customer right now they reduce to uh, around four branches in the different district uh, as I know that they decide to suspend the service and terminate the service because they do they really they don't have any manpower at all to be assigned into those four or five branches on duty and uh, the main income for this company is quite different with Mr. Leung's company. Mr. Leung's company, they focus on the inbound tourists. But this company, they mainly uh, put all the efforts sending the people to mainland China or the outbound tour to the Asia countries. So as we know that in the past almost three years' time, this uh, managing director or uh, CEO, I really admire him. He he's not the boss. He's not. A, he's only employee. He was getting paid to work for his uh, holding company in Hong Kong to take up the this Hong Thai travel, uh, this company. So he did his best and uh, running the company up to today. So. I am not surprised that he make a decision uh, to cut off the courses. Actually, I think uh, put myself into his position. I already, I have already cut the courses two or two years ago to keep the minimum um, uh, people. Right now, uh, I have a chance to talk to him by phone. A, a couple of days ago, he didn't have any instruction from his. Uh, uh, mainland uh, holding company boss to, uh, to, to, to to shut down the shop. Just told him to do the best. 
to reduce the causes and uh, uh, they have no more cash can be uh, given to him uh, to continue running this company. So I think after he got the instruction from his head office, he made up this decision uh, to announce uh, to close all the branches. Uh, and he, he told me that he has already resigned as a director of the company recently. Uh, but he has no instruction uh, taken to, 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 to shut down uh, or close his company. This is what I know. So th- thank you for that. And, and some say that with the recent zero plus three uh, a policy being introduced, actually, we see a one way street in traffic where we have a lot of Hong Kong residents and citizens leaving the city to travel abroad, um, heading to Japan, heading to Singapore, to Malaysia and elsewhere. But there just aren't visitors coming into Hong Kong because of the restrictions and a need to do so many tests. Um, so, Paula, do you, do you agree with this diagnosis that there's a one-way street situation right now yeah, when they de- travel? Yeah, definitely. If you are the tourist, uh, you do come into Hong Kong and stay in the hotel for three days with uh, nothing to do. You cannot go to the theme park. You cannot go to the restaurant and nothing you can do. You just stay in the hotel and you just walk out on the street for shoppings. Will, will you come to Hong Kong? Very simple. This is a very simple question. So uh, what we think of is we are urging the government and trying to solve the problem. Uh, although he is using a zero plus three policy, but try to um, uh, adjust it or try to enhance into a way that can we do it in for the inbound travelers, can we do it in a group basis? So the travel agency, uh, based on the group, they, they come in as a group, just, just like Japan a uh, few, few two months ago, right? So they come in as a group and they have to go out as a group. For the group movement, uh, you have to let them, uh, we can block off some of the function room in the hotel uh, for them to take breakfast instead of staying in room service. So when, when they walk out, so they can take lunch or dinner. So we can even block off some of the of the restaurants. Of, of course, we, we 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 cannot just block off the whole restaurant. You know, we are talking about a function room, uh, a separate room for these people, uh, for for this group. Then uh, they have to finish the lunch or finish the dinner, and then they can walk out. I know. Actually, they allow them to they allow them to walk. And they allow them to shop, you know. So that is uh, how we can solve it. At least they can uh, work, uh, walk around in the in Hong Kong, and they can go to some of the attraction. Right. Some, yeah. Have you given this a uh, suggestion to to the government? I mean, what's been the response? Uh, we are uh, yesterday. We've been talking to 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 Percy already. Uh, so we're trying to, to take this message to the government. To the uh, lawmaker, Perry Yu? Yeah, yeah, to Perry. Okay. So we're trying to, to, to work out because only the problem for the attraction is the Disneyland. Because the Disneyland, you cannot control uh, the Disneyland and the Ocean Park. You cannot control them, uh, take off the mask to eat because uh, easily you can, you can buy uh, ice cream on the street. Right, so and they can take off the mask. So other than that, uh, other attraction like uh, the M Plus or the the Palace Museum, that's the latest attraction. And then they can, you know, they 
they they have nothing to eat inside, so they can walk around. Even the Hong Kong resident can walk inside the room, can in, walk inside the, the the museum. So why not the tourists, right? So if we if it is possible, then we can work out something. Then we can start promoting because at this moment we cannot promote. Uh, even though the Hong Kong TV a uh, few days ago, uh, they 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 make a Zoom Zoom meeting with some of the Thai and uh, and uh, the Thai and the Philippine agents. You know what they ask is when are we going to open? When are we going to start? So uh, we cannot give them any answer. Right. Uh, and the tourism board is planning to uh, give out uh, five hundred thousand airline tickets early next year to help attract travelers to come here. Do you think that will help by much? Uh, not much, but the important thing is uh, those tickets should go as not giving out to to the consumer or or the tourists. We should give it out to the to the to the tourist user, something like the travel agents, the media. Uh, the the travel connected people who 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 can promote Hong Kong like the broker the you know all these uh, we should invite those people to come to Hong Kong but uh, if we are going to stay with the zero plus three how can we invite anybody to come to Hong Kong uh, so it will it turn up to be a bad advertising also so better wait until that we can relax. Right. I have a message here from a listener, Richard. He says, um, Hong Thai Travel tr- is, tr- is Hong Thai Travel trying to send out the SOS signal on behalf of the tourism sector and the government completely ignores them. Um, he's suggesting that the government is ignoring the tourism sector. What, what do you think, Mr. Leung? Uh, in, in fact, no, I don't think the tourism, uh, the government uh, ignore all the tourism sector because... The only point is the we are in a crisis of too long already. We are talking about three years, uh, and or or even more. So, the what we're trying to work out is we we, we do have a lot of way uh, helping the the travel industry. Uh, like we are we we are getting fun and we get uh, so. Uh, as of now, we even have those uh, green tourism to help us, and now we come up to to have some cultural tour, and also the Tong- Hong Kong TP is giving us a free tour, you know, trying to 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 check up to to check up the travel agents, at least at least they they have something to work, uh, and the staff and the buses still going on, uh, that's how how it goes. In terms of reconstructing and rebuilding the confidence of the international tourism sector in Hong Kong, in the aftermath of these past three years, it's not going to be easy. And I was just wondering, Paul, do you have any concrete suggestions for the FNB scene here? How can they reinvigorate, repackage and re-engage the world? You know, how can they do that despite the zero plus three restrictions? Or do you see it as futile unless we, you know, something gives in terms of the quarantine restrictions? Uh, yeah, we, uh, actually, what we we are trying to do now is zero zero plus three. Uh, the zero plus three is really uh, a handicap for us, you know. Uh, but the only way to solve it is, it's not nobody wants to come to Hong Kong. It's a lot of inquiries and a lot of people wants to come to Hong Kong. 
But the point is, how are we going to you know, service them uh, in a way that when they come to Hong Kong, after that they go back and, and they have a good memories about Hong Kong. So the only thing is, I just mentioned that the, how we go, they stay in Hong Kong hotel is, is easy now. Uh, the hotel now, before we, we, we are facing a lot of uh, uh, fluctuated rate and all this, now the, the hotel is easy to get and the rate is it's not expensive. And the second thing is we have to, to face is the theme park. Uh, why do why, why they come to Hong Kong? You know, a lot of this Southeast Asia group. Now what we are trying to, to promote is the Southeast Asia area. And this market will not affect too much. Uh, um, we, 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 we cannot promote uh, Europe and we, we cannot promote US now. It's a, way, it's a waste of time and money. And the, the, the only thing is we have to face on uh, the market is huge in the Southeast Asia, like the, uh, the Philippines, the Thailand, the Singapore, and, the, and all these Ashanta country. So how are we going to solve it? Hotel, we solve it, the meals, and also a problem. I just mentioned, if we can, if we can uh, try to generate group in and group out, and we're trying to, to work out some hotel, uh, restaurants and hotel that they can uh, assign some designated area for them to, to take lunch or dinner or breakfast, and we can solve that. Right. And also the attraction. This is the I, main main purpose. They they want to come to Hong Kong. Right, Mr. Yip. Excuse yeah. me. Yep, go we ahead, Mr. Like, Yip. We, 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 I, uh, we would like to see and very happy to think that the new government has taken over this um, this position with only hundred days. So we can look back what they have done uh, in making the relaxation on this anti-pandemic uh, policy. Actually, step by step, doing it uh, every other week. They announce little bit, little bit, little bit. So uh, right now, um, uh, for my own uh, my my suggestion uh, to the government is they need to persuade and uh, help. Uh, to uh, the more overseas NI coming back to Hong Kong. And even uh, like the cruise also, after the cruise left Hong Kong till now, they have no intention to come back. The NI, uh, I can give you a figure that up to now, since uh, they suspend the service to Hong Kong, totally there are 24 overseas NI they suspend the service to Hong Kong up to now. So if we want to resume the service and try to make the economy, uh, economy um, up again, we need to, uh, the government or the related party or the bureau need to persuade and convince them to send back the, um, the, uh, the, the, the fleet to, uh, to Hong Kong. And in the past uh, few months, uh, we can see easily that the travel industry sector is quite different with the uh, restaurant or the retail sectors that uh, once they resume the, the services or operation, they can get the, the, the staff within a few days, try to train them up. But in, the, uh, in our industry, you can't do that. You, you can see the airline having difficulty to recruit um, the pilots, uh, the, 
and also the staff to work and hotel also, travel agency also. In the past two, three weeks time, uh, I, 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 I talked to my travel agents friends, they are quite busy because um, a lot of friends ask them to uh, purchase the tickets. So uh, they, 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 they are busy to serving them. But for outbound travel, uh, right now are busy. Inbound, as Paul Leung saying, that still need to wait uh, for some time. Other than the policy of the Hong Kong government have a further relaxation and still uh, that they need to, to, to wait for the, um, the better time uh, they will come to Hong Kong, I think so. Just just now you said that outbound travel is busy, and uh, I did mention that more and more uh, Hong Kong people, they are traveling uh, traveling now. Um, so, so is it surprising when you, when you talk about uh, Hong Thai travel that uh, they have to suspend their, their branch services, I mean, since uh, outbound travel is uh, getting busy? That, that, not, 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 not surprised, not surprised. Once you know the background of the Hong Thai travel, it is not surprised. They have uh, focus and serving more the middle and um, basic um, level of uh, the clients. They send quite a, a, a thousand and thousand of uh, Hong Kong residents to the Great Bay area for the short haul tour. They don't need the airline. They need the, the train ticket or the cross-border bus. Every weekend they send thousands thousand and thousands of stars going there. And they operate quite a lot of uh, group tours to Philippines, to Thailand, to, to, to Japan or Korea. And uh, the, uh, in the past two, three years, they, they, they stopped this kind of uh, uh, service because there's no client, no airlines. So uh, after they have been using all the cases, the cash, they, 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 they don't have enough cash to, to, to keep running. They have been waiting for more than two years. Some of the retail outbound uh, travel agency like him has already or has already shut down the shops and uh, cut down the course but this Hong Thai this um, um, MD the CEO are so kind to the staff they still keeping more than 200 staff and paying them the wages and uh, he told me that monthly after every month up now up to now they still Spending more than five million Hong Kong dollars per month to pay for the wages, the rent, the expenses. So, uh, wait until the head office from the mainland tell him that they will, they have no more cash to be given to them. So he need to make decision to cut off all the, uh, the the expenses in these few days. So, the both of you mentioned that um, Southeast Asia is an increasingly important market for Hong Kong tourists, uh, or tourism in Hong Kong, rather. I was just wondering, um, I was actually down in Malaysia and Singapore three months ago, and everything was open. There was no swipe, there was no sort of uh, quarantine restrictions, no 0 plus 3, no 0 plus 10, or whatever it is. And, and the in- tourism industries were genuinely booming, especially in Singapore. What do you think are the lessons that we can draw from Singapore, Paul, um, in terms of preserving the vitality of the tourism sector beyond just uh, not having you know, quarantine and uh, 10 tests uh, for each and every traveller? Yeah, I, I, I think the government wants to... Actually, I, the way I look at it is the government wants to uh, open up. Uh, but uh, they, he wants to open up gradually. But the point is, for the tourism market, we cannot just say uh, tomorrow we start again. I mean, 
No, we we have to prepare, we have to promote, and we have to uh, have a lot of planning. No, not not people like uh, uh, like uh, going to the restaurant. You know, right away you I I, I want a chicken, and he comes to chicken. So you now he the 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 important thing is what we are facing is you now the government should should have a, a, a timetable for us. You know. Uh, Trying to to tell us, okay, now it's zero for uh, zero plus three. So uh, just wait for one month. We will work out one month. So trying to, you know, you give us a timetable, so then we can prepare to promote. Because you know you, what what you are talking about. When we are going to promote, then we need road show. We have to invite blogs. We have to invite agents to come over. We have to make advertising. You know, there's a lot of back. Back works to do, so you know, you know, Paul. I think I think the Hong Kong government they can't they make any decision or the, to tell us the timetable for when they can open the border. But with such a with such a situation, they can do something to persuade or subsidize or encourage more airline. Or the cruises come back to Hong Kong. This they can do it. This All right, uh, Mr. Yip, uh, we have to take a short break for the news. Um, thanks again for joining us this morning. Uh, that's uh, Freddie Yip, president of the Hong Kong Travel Agent Owners Association, and uh, Mr. Leung, you'll be staying with us for a bit longer, so we can continue our discussion after the news when we will be joined by an aviation analyst. And after nine fifteen, we'll speak to a doctor about microbots for treating ear infection in children. And uh, just a quick look at the weather. It will be fine and dry. The uh, top temperature will be around uh, 29 degrees. Winds moderate east to northeasterlies, uh, fresh offshore. And uh, right now, the temperature reading at the observatory is 25 degrees. Relative humidity, 66%. I've slowed significantly in the third quarter of the year. And we expect a further weakening in the remainder of this year and the beginning of next year. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Friday morning with Brian Wong and me, Janice Wong. This morning, we're looking at the stage of Hong Kong's travel industry after one of Hong Kong's oldest travel agencies, Hong Tai Travel, announced the temporary closure of all branch services until further notice. And this comes as the Hong Kong International Airport's September passenger traffic volume increased by 133% from a year earlier, after authorities scrapped some of the city's travel restrictions. And uh, still with us, industry studio, we have Paul Leung, the chairman of the Hong Kong Inbound Travel Association. And joining us now is Shukor Yusuf from the Aviation and Economics Research Consultancy, Endow Analytics. Good morning, Mr. Yusuf. Good morning, Jenny. Thanks for joining us on the program. Um, I have a comment here from our listener, Marcus, about the uh, Hong Kong International Airport figure I just mentioned. Um, he says, increased 133% from two people a year ago. I guess his point really is that the uh, the base of comparison is so small that uh, this increase may not be as impressive as it sounds. Um, Mr. Yusuf, how would you describe Hong Kong's travel industry at the moment? Well, I think, uh, to be fair to Hong Kong, I think the travel industry has been uh, damaged very severely because of 
some of the health protocols that were implemented over the past two, two and a half years. And, and so we, we can't expect the travel industry to immediately come back to where it was pre-COVID uh, because it's been, the infrastructure is, is, is uh, you know, the dynamics have changed, the landscape has changed. And people are very careful about uh, whether there's going to be another wave of, of uh, virus coming through again. And so uh, most people are taking a look and wait and see uh, attitude when it comes to Hong Kong. But that doesn't mean, of course, that Hong Kong is finished, that it, it's no longer relevant in the scheme of things in this part of the world. Uh, contrary to that, I think there will be a time when Hong Kong will be rejuvenated um, very uh, shortly when China starts to reopen and, and, you know, things will start to come back to where it was before, hopefully. Right. And uh, Mr. Yusuf, uh, we have seen more flights after the relaxation of travel restrictions uh, last month uh, in Hong Kong. Um, do you think that's enough for the travel industry to, to as you put it, uh, rejuvenate? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it takes a lot more than just ramping up of, of the number of flights, ramping up of capacity, because we're starting, as you mentioned, from a very low base. There are not many people who who have arrived in Hong Kong or who are going to make Hong Kong a destination for leisure or for business in the coming months. And so Hong Kong has to be patient. The authorities have to be patient. And I think they are. I think they, I think if anyone thinks that, you know, I, I would like to think that there is a, a method in the madness of what's going on in Hong Kong. And I think that things are done certainly for certain reasons that are perhaps beyond the understanding of a lot of people outside of Hong Kong, or perhaps even within Hong Kong, that, you know, um, why certain things are being introduced and why certain measures are being put into place. But again, as I said, you know, the number of flights that are being mounted by Cathay Pacific won't be sufficient to put Hong Kong back into its uh, uh, global position in the industry. Uh, but we'll see an increasing, incremental increasing of the number of flights. Uh, Cathay has announced 700 this month, perhaps uh, closer to over 1,000 coming to, to the Christmas period. And I think these are measures that are slowly being introduced uh, to allow Hong Kong to have a slow and gradual embrace of the number of visitors that are coming to the SAR. Right, Mr. Lang, uh, do you do you agree with uh, Mr. Yusuf's uh, uh, analysis? I mean, he says uh, you just need to be patient. Uh, no, we are uh, we have patient for the last three years already. Uh, what we are really facing is uh, the the government we relax and we open up. And we are talking about the one hundred and thirty. Three uh, percent increase. You know, those are the actually those are the are the one for the student return. A uh, lot of students coming back because uh, we don't have to stay in the hotel, uh, the quarantine hotel for seven days. Uh, so a lot of uh, uh, students come back, and also a lot of corporates are coming back. So it's not tourists. You know, if we are going to generate back the tourists, I think we still, you know, we have been discussed for the, until the last half an hour, you know, uh, that they, they, the government should have do something uh, instead of they can uh, attract some of the tourists to come back. But what, 
what we are facing now is the the 133% is mostly students, the corporate. Um, and if you are, if if the airline is not increasing the seat the capacity, so that means to say uh, the the air ticket will be will be high. So you we hardly can promote a lot of uh, leisure market to come to Hong Kong, uh, although plenty of leisure market uh, wants to come to Hong Kong, but is reluctant because of the airfare is so high. So uh, only the students and the uh, the corporate can afford that. Now, there's one view, um, Shukor, that essentially when it comes to tourism and also travel, uh, once it's gone, it's gone. That It's not actually that flexible and there's a degree of stickiness to the preferences of tourists. And, and indeed, many in Hong Kong have suggested that with the, the past three years of an effective freeze over aviation-based travel, uh, many tourists in the ASEAN market are switching instead to Singapore, uh, to Malaysia and even Korea in Northeast Asia or Japan for alternative tourist destinations. Now, you seem to be relatively hopeful about Hong Kong's prognosis. What do you make of this stickiness claim? I'm not quite sure I think that applies to Hong Kong. I mean, if you look, again, you mentioned, Brian, Singapore um, being open again and seeing a huge number of visitors coming to the island. And that's probably because Singapore has adopted a different um, measures when it comes to the reopening and when it comes to dealing with COVID. Uh, but remember, Singapore was also uh, very empty and, and, and was lacking in visitors for over two years. And it was, this change has only come about in, in recent times. So similarly, I think, you know, to draw a conclusion that Hong Kong is no longer, when it's gone, it's gone, it's no longer the company. I don't think that's going to be necessarily true because you, we've seen from Singapore that they ha- they didn't have the visitors and they're starting to come back again. I suspect that's going to happen to Hong Kong as well because when Hong Kong restarts and reopens gradually, there will be an increasing number of people. Hong Kong still retains its charm, it retains its uh, uh, business allure. Um, it, it remains one of the, uh, you know, the, the smartest cities, the um, the most attractive cities in this part of the world. And I don't think that's going to disappear just because it didn't have visitors for, for the past two years. So it's going to happen, but it's going to happen very uh, gradually. And, and when the government says it fit, don't forget that it's a, you know, uh, two systems, one country. So they have to play in tandem with what's happening on the mainland as well. So there's a lot of considerations that's got to be um, understood. There's a lot to be made. Uh, compared to countries in other parts of Southeast Asia, like Singapore, for example, where they can make unilateral decisions without having to refer to um, another authority. All right. And uh, earlier in the first half of our program, we had a, a guest on. He was uh, Freddie Yip. He's the president of Hong Kong Travel Agent Owners Association. And uh, he was telling us that uh, right now, uh, 24 overseas airlines have uh, suspended services to Hong Kong up to now. And he wants the uh, government to uh, persuade more overseas airlines uh, to return to Hong Kong. Um, Mr. Yusuf, what can be done to do that? I mean, what can the government do to help persuade them to come back? Well, first of all, I think the government needs to uh, ensure that people become more comfortable with the policies that they have introduced. 
misuse. And I think part of the reason why people have become more and more skeptical about some of these issues that have arisen is because the government weren't very clear and some of the measures that they have taken appear to be very haphazard, appear to be very drastic, and they were. In fact, you know, some of the quarantine measures and that were, were not uh, put into place uh, according to some of the measures that were uh, suggested by the WHO, for example. Uh, unlike what some other countries, Singapore is a very good example, as you've mentioned before. But in order to attract and to entice more people to come to Hong Kong, you need to be very clear that Hong Kong is open for business. Hong Kong remains the same place that it was before. There's so many um, nasty things have been said about Hong Kong, so many um, negative things have been bandied about uh, how the SAR is not going to be what it was before and all that. So the government's first mission would be to tell the rest of the world that Hong Kong remains the same place as it was before and that it remains open for business and that it's ready to embrace foreigners and, and corporate people, whether it's students, as, as Mr. Lam said, you know, I, I take that very seriously. I think there's a huge opportunity for Hong Kong to really um, get back to where it was before and even, even be a bigger one, but it depends very much on how things develop on the mainland because let's not forget Hong Kong cannot operate independently right now unless you know there are certain things that trigger the reopening of the mainland as well. So until such time, I think the, the, the reopening of Hong Kong is going to be very marginal, it's going to be very uh, gradual and incremental. But again, the, the government of the SAR can do a lot of things and first by giving comfort by, by giving credibility over some of the measures that are they have, they have implemented and they will implement, especially in the run-up to Christmas, especially in the run-up to the uh, Lunar New Year in early next year. And that's a very important period, I think, for them to exploit in order to bring Hong Kong back into the global picture again. Yeah. And Paul, uh, what, what do you make of that? Are yeah, you optimistic I, that once we reopen, we'd be able to regain a lot of our yeah. former glamour? Yeah, I, I, I think Hong Kong have his own attraction. Uh, uh, yeah, if you compare to Hong Kong and Singapore, so people will choose Hong Kong. You know, that's you know, you you it's easy. You know, you walk out in the street, and you know, in in the in the Ashanta country. And people, a lot of people wants to come to Hong Kong. In regarding to the, to the flight, you know, if there is a demand, I think the airline will come and they are, they are businessmen. And the, the airline will come. You know, you, you just think of a long time ago how, how the low-cost carrier comes in and how the charters comes in. It's just because there is demand. So if there is demand, definitely if uh, they will come. And the Hong Kong, you know, if... The Hong Kong government is going to relax the zero plus three, make it the zero plus zero. And also, important thing is the next step will be the the Shenzhen border to to China. So Hong Kong is a gateway to China. So a lot of tourists will come to Hong Kong and go into China. So uh, so the important thing is how we going to make a timetable to come to Hong Kong. And the next step is. Uh, the, the Hong Kong government have to discuss with China. Uh, you're talking about the big, uh, great Bay Area, and how are we going to to go there? You know, easy. Never a long time ago. A uh, long time ago, we can go to Shenzhen, 
uh, it's hard to get a visa, and it turned out to be uh, 20, uh, 48 visa free, and now it's uh, seven days uh, visa free. So this is just how we're going to face it, how to work on it. And maybe just maybe one possible direction to take is the Hong government to work together with the counterparts in the other well other counterparts in the Greater Bay Area to see if they could also uh, work on a loosened you know, quarantine restrictions for tourists uh, moving in between different cities in GBA. But that of course requires uh, coordination between the Hong Kong administration and the mainland Chinese uh, government as well. So yeah, let. I, I, I think let's face uh, the, uh, the Hong Kong first, you know, I, I know, step by step that we go in, you know, at least uh, people can come to Hong Kong and Hong Kong still have a big attraction uh, to, to come to Hong Kong. All right, uh, Mr. Leung, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Paul Leung, Chairman of the Hong Kong Inbound Travel Association. And uh, also many thanks to Shukul Yusuf from the Aviation and Economics Research Consultancy, Endel Analytics. And uh, right now, it's uh, coming up to our next topic. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. It's now 17 minutes past nine and it's time for us to turn to a completely different topic and it's about microbots for ear infection. To tell us what it's all about, we're now joined on the line by Dr. Chang Weizi, Assistant Professor at the Chinese University's Department of Otorhinolaryngology, which is basically the study of the ear, nose and throat. Good morning, Dr. Chang. Hello. Thanks for joining us uh, on the program. So can you first tell us about this uh, microbot that has been developed to help tackle middle ear infection in children? Yeah, um, this is actually a very new uh, invention uh, with conjoined of a department of um, um, mechanical engineering and the department of medicine. We uh, actually study on the, um, how the micro-robots can cure disease of microfilm in that uh, you station uh, the, the T-tube. So T-tube is a very common uh, surgery to be done for um, otitis media, which is the fluid in the middle ear. So this is actually a very common problem in especially the kids. And around 70% of the kids under six actually have this problem. And one third of them needs this kind of operation. And actually some of the kids, like uh, around 5% of them have infection. And that infection actually cannot be removed by the antibiotics or eardrops because there is a microfilm put on the, the implanted material, which is a T-tube. So in that case, we have to remove the T-tube in order to get rid of the infection. However, if the kids need recurrence of disease, and another operation is needed for the kids. But so far, there's no um, cure for the biofilm. And in our study this time, we actually uh, find a solution for uh, cleaning up the biofilm in, in, um, in, in a cadaveric model. And, and what we're doing is actually using a, a helical a micro robot, which is really, really very small. So for the T-tube, it's only like 1.14 millimeters, so in terms of millimeters. So uh, the micro robot is a, um, basically an iron oxide, and, but it has a, a spiral shape, so it can act as two methods. Number one is to clean up like a robot to uh, mechanically remove the debris on the tube, inside the tube. 
And and the second is we add on the H2O, which is um, a solution that can also kill off the bacteria. So in that case, if this is very successful, then the patient will be able to avoid another two surgeries and keep the tube inside too. And that uh, ROS, which is a uh, activated oxide, actually kills the bacteria as well. So we take the tube out and do the culture and see it really works. So that is a very very um, innovative and very exciting findings that we can maybe apply to other tubes or medical device that have a medical um, uh, implications on it. All right. This is, all sounds um, a bit complicated. Uh, can I just clarify some parts of it? So, so basically, what you're saying is that in, in some cases, a, an ear tube or what you're calling the T-tube or basically a ventilation tube has to be inserted in the patient's eardrum to drain the middle ear fluid. Is that correct? Exactly. And, and that's said to help uh, reduce the pressure inside the ear. Right. And and it also drains the fluid in the middle ear so the patient can hear clearly because right. if there is a, a persistent hearing loss, the kid actually has a language delay. Right. That is a great problem. Yes. And uh, in this case, you uh, have created a micro bot, micro robot uh, that uh, can be used basically to help clean the tube so there won't be so it won't be blocked and uh, it can help minimize the risk of reinfection. Is that correct? Yes. Exactly, and also uh, avoid another surgery. Right, and how how um, how high is this risk of in reinfection if we don't uh, clearly block tube? Well, if that is a really biofilm um, there, so the biofilm is actually uh, something you, you can imagine. They have a protective mechanism. They create an um, exopolysaccharide, which is like a protective film on it. So the antibiotics cannot go inside and cannot kill it. So basically, if the biofilm is formed, there's no way to cure unless you take out the device. I hear you. So on that note, could we just um, clarify perhaps, uh, what are the future directions for microbot tech research and development? What are the uh, likely changes and the next steps for the technology that would uh, improve its efficiency, targetedness and also safety? So, um, very good. Thank you very much. That's a very good question. So, um, there are a few directions. And number one on um, especially on this T-tube. So this is an cardiopharic uh, model. So we have to make sure the micro-robot is very safe and it still to doesn't affect the hearing. And we have to uh, further investigate whether oh, what happened if it get inside the middle ear, how can we take it out, whether it will get inside the middle ear or not. So we have uh, uh, quite some um, uh, experiment to be done before we can really apply it to humans. And number two is the micro-robot. So the robot can be really small. So we can further investigate on a lot of um, medical device on very small objects like a micro camera and micro um, clearance. So uh, number three is the curation of biofilm. This is very important because the biofilm can occur in many different devices in the body. For example, the um, urinary tube that to drain the urinary bladder, the uh, bio, um, the T-tube uh, for the bio duct, so uh, to drain the bio, um, obstructed bio, and even some um, even some stands in the in the circulation in the blood, in the heart, in the brain. So that there might be a lot of um, future directions that we can work on by, based on these um, 
study. And uh, you've mentioned uh, quite a few times about uh, biofilm or, or debris inside this uh, ventilation tube or ear tube you're talking about. Um, what is it actually? Is it just like earwax? Oh, no. Um, actually, a biofilm is a, is, uh, is actually the um, bacteria. So there are some um, bacteria. They are getting together and form a film that is protecting themselves from outside antibiotics. So that protective uh, film we call exopolysaccharides, EPS. So it, protect, it actually protects the bacteria cell against any kind of antibiotics. And it usually um, sits on the surface of a foreign body or medical device. So this is a very problematic problem for all of the implanted medical device to, which get infected. So turning now to a core aspect, actually, of the chief executive's policy address and also uh, a part of uh, Hong Kong's role in the uh, 14th five-year plan, uh, there's an emphasis upon Hong Kong as a biotechnological hub and centre for innovation in medtech and biotech. Uh, are you optimistic, um, Dr. Chang, that this could indeed be done in relation to uh, microbots? Could we become a microbot hub in research and, and, and also pioneer advances across the world? Oh, um, this is definitely a um, very optimistic future. And we are collaborating more and more with a, a different departments, including um, the engineering. And we have a, a lot of collaboration with the AI, etc. In, in the science park. So um, we do have a lot of collaboration as well with the with foreign um, country in the sewers, for example. So um, Hong Kong is definitely very strong in collaboration also with China. So another professor, um, Professor Zhang, Zhang uh, is uh, from the Department of um, Engineering, and he is actually have a strong collaboration also with um, the, the university in China as well. So uh, we can be act at the center of development, and we can have a lot of collaboration and promotion of Hong Kong. Right. I have a caller who, who left a message for us, and uh, uh, caller Andy, and uh, he, he wants to know if uh, this method, I guess he's talking about the insertion of a T-tube, is it better, is it a better method than uh, grommets, which is also um, insertion of tiny tubes, right? Is that correct, Dr. Chang? Um, I, I actually refer, the T-tube is actually the same as grommet. They, they just share a different name. All right. And uh, also, you, earlier you talked about how uh, middle ear infection is actually uh, quite common among uh, children. Is it because uh, their ear, the, the inside of the ear is uh, less uh, developed? I mean, the, you, you stake in a tube, uh, which is oh, the canal, that's where it connects the middle ear to the back of your throat. Uh, is it because uh, that part of your ear is, uh, in, in children is uh, less developed or, or more narrow? Exactly. So you, you, you are very correct. You mentioned that usually the ear fluid is drained by a eustachian tube, which connected the ear and the throat. So, um, and, and, and in children, they usually have a shorter tube, a narrower tube, a um, more horizontal, so the bacteria can get inside from the nose to the ear easily. And they usually have a less developed function, so and and they're very narrow, so easy to be blocked. It also occurs in uh, in or in patients with cleft palate and uh, or Down syndrome. They are more prone to have this kind of effusion. These are all very very interesting observations. I was just wondering, um, do you think Hong Kong public knows enough about? 
the potential dangers posed to children um, in relation to middle ear diseases? And if not, what can we do to raise and promote greater awareness and hygiene in, with regards to that? Well, unfortunately, there's no proof on the hygiene per se. So it's na- naturally occurring, and it's not more in Hong Kong. There's everywhere in the world that share the same risk on um, otitis media because of that nature of development. So um, we actually have a, a local study performed many years ago by CHK, find epidemiology in Hong Kong. We do screening for kids of around six years old. They actually have five percent of uh, conductive hearing loss, and mo- most of them got an otitis media effusion. So I think this is the awareness is important, especially for the kids in um, kindergarten or in primary. School that we have, we, we can we are actually sharing a lot of information with the with the teachers, with the, the principals, and um, and also we write a lot of articles in in, in the press to um, acknowledge the parents and and the teachers about this condition, and it's very important for them to notify and identify that earlier and right. before they get a language delay. All right, Dr. Chang, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Dr. Chang Ji, Assistant Professor at the Chinese University. And uh, many thanks also to you who commented today and, of course, to our guest presenter, Brian Wong and producer Yuki. Now, here's the weather. It'll be fun and dry. The top temperature will be around 29 degrees. Winds moderate east to northeasterlies, fresh offshore. Right now, it's 25 degrees. Relative humidity, 65%. The chief executive has delivered his first policy address. It outlines his vision to lead society to break through bottlenecks, add impetus, relieve hardship, and grasp opportunities. Hong Kong will fully and faithfully implement one country, two systems, govern to public aspirations, attract talents in business, promote finance, innovation, and technology, cultural and creative industries, integrate into the country's development, increase the speed and quantity of our housing supply, boost education and expand the talent pool, enhance primary health care and support for the elderly, the young and the underprivileged. Clean and beautify our city to chart a brighter tomorrow for Hong Kong. It is a policy address for Hong Kong citizens. It's now 9.30, the news with Tom Wong.